Unleavened Up Cast. I'm Johnny, and he's George. Not back. I'm sorry. I took a week Yay. off. We had a lot of stuff going on in Ginterland, um, but uh, I, I think you held down the fort pretty well. And I'm I'm happy that you know the whole operation hasn't completely burned down in my absence. So congratulations, uh, I, to you, George. It's funny you said that because I was just going to say no. I I burned down the house with Dan's help, but you have quickly rebuilt it, and we're oh. uh, happy to have you back. <laughs> my mere presence has restored the integrity of the dubcast. That's, you are that's, literally the institution of the dubcast, John. Sure. Yeah, that's like, yeah, okay. That's it's like saying a carnival ride is, is resumed, you know, operation after like a carny hits it with a wrench. Like, okay, I'm the carny and the wrench. Let's keep going. Um, so we've got a lot to talk about in the dubcast this week. And, you know, I... I, for one, am a hater, and we're going to get into that later in the dubcast, so I'm excited about that. We've also got some Madden rankings. C.J. Stroud is going to get paid a butt-ton of money. That's going to be fun. Uh, But let's start off with, I think, maybe, you know, the item that probably gets the most excitement from fans when it comes to this point in the offseason, and that's Ohio State unveiling their alternate uniforms for their november 11th matchup against michigan state they're going all gray uh you've got the the red numbers with the gray unis i think they look pretty slick it's essentially the black uniform uh but just gray and i think it looks pretty damn good i'm cool with it i i have never been one to poo poo on alternate uniforms i actually wrote an article where i even went back and i looked at my um when i was a commenter in 11 warriors in 2009 I went back and I looked at some of my old comments. And even when they did that original, like kind of, I don't even, I think it was for the 54 team, I was still mostly positive. So I've, I've always been kind of like pretty cool with alternate uniforms, uh, as long as they look, you know, at least decently half-assed. And this one looks whole-assed. So I'm pretty happy with it. I think it looks pretty good. The the career of JT Barrett is simply fascinating, and one of its uh, most interesting chapters was the illustrious fourth quarter he had against Penn State, which was yes. draped oh, in one of the worst alternate uniforms this school has ever seen. It yeah. is a tragedy that one of the greatest moments in the career of the most statistically accomplished quarterback in the history of the Big Ten happened in that gray drab garb of a uniform that Ohio State wore against Penn State in, what was it, 2017? I think it was 17, yeah. When Saquon Barkley... Yeah, it's it's the land of the wolves, and it's when uh, somebody on the staff had watched um, Sicario and taken the complete wrong lesson from it, and decided that like, you know, Ohio State would be the land of the wolves, where we're we're the we're the drug runners in this situation, apparently. And um, anyway, that was their badass phrase that they were going for. So Nike made them a a wolfish uh, costume, I guess, to wear for that, but. Um, well, You're that right, game was yeah. certainly a thriller for all the wrong reasons for, you know, the first 45 minutes of it. Right. But right. I, what I will Jason say is the current uniform that is the gray alternate that they just announced, they mm-hmm. they very correctly and smartly, I think, this time went with a lighter shade of uh, gray that's closer to the full white alternate that we've seen from them recently. So I yeah. think that they recognize that, They've generally gotten better feedback for lighter 
alternates than the darker ones. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that we see that as a continuation of the, this trend if we're going to continue to see alternates from Nike in the future. But I'm fine with this one. I generally, as, alter, as far as alternates go, prefer like a focus on a neutral color and then using like the the trademark brilliant ones of like the school to like flourish that out which is what you see here with the scarlet numbers and the and the light gray so i'm uh i'm at peace with this one i look forward to seeing it it'll be interesting to see it with the the gray out under the lights in november i think uh you know dan and i were making jokes last week about how you know oh we're both kind of neutral on uh how how that's gonna play out as far as the gray out goes but otherwise you know i'm I'm at peace with it. They could do much worse, and we've seen much worse when it comes to alternate uniforms like this. Well, let me ask you this. So Ohio State at this point has worn a pretty large array of alternate uniforms. What would you say would be your favorite so far out of all the ones that they've worn? That's a good question. And I don't count, by the way, I don't really count like the national championship, like the playoff unis that they wear, you know, like uh, with the the actual traditional like gray stripes and I don't consider that to be alternate. I think that's just a, you know, the platonic ideal of what they should wear in general. So I don't I'm 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 fine with that, but that would be my pick if it was allowed. And to right. that point, you know, I'm I I I've been, you know, criticized privately for it before and had to explain myself, but I I am a dual allegiance Bears and Steelers fan. And mm-hmm. one of the interesting things traditionally about the Bears is that for many years they did not they were very adamant about not having alternate uniforms right. aside from the right, base right. that they have because it was generally acknowledged that they had one of the best uniform sets in the National Football League. Oh, great. And they yeah. very much wanted to stand by that. I've felt I mean, growing up being a fan of that franchise and then seeing that carried over to Ohio State I remember playing NCAA football as a kid and being kind of, you know, jealous of teams like Oregon. I'd be like, they have all these, you know, they got the Nike unis. They, they got different gloves for every game. It's not fair. We we have the same thing for every Ohio State game. But as I grew older, I began to see, like, the consistency of the design is what makes part of the experience so special is that oh, sure, this yeah. is like such a I've literally heard from like fans of other Big Ten teams that when they've seen Ohio State as a unit run on the field in that scarlet jersey that it inspires fear in them like mm-hmm. I've heard that feedback from other fans so when you have a set a uniform that does that you don't really need to deviate from it and i'm glad for most of my life they haven't so i i love those throwback sleeves i have a ted ginn jersey that's that design so that's why that's my favorite if we're going to awesome. count that as an alternate but if we're not going to do it i'm still just going to say you know what i i live with whatever they have and then it's on to the next one i'll say the all whites were probably my favorite just cuz again i like that kind of clean design so i agree by the way i think the cocaine whites were were sick the thing about the though is that those so they were the all whites, but they also had the interesting kind of like uh, shoulder design where it was like the white and red stripe and then like on a black field a little bit. Right. And so that almost made like the white pop even more because you had that really dark black shoulder stripe. And then the helmets were kind of weird, too. Uh, and those they had the really thick um, stripe on the top, like going through the middle, which I didn't really love. I didn't like how they, they did that. But I, I really enjoyed the cocaine whites. 
I will also say, and I don't think this was a popular one with most people, but I thought they were pretty sick. Uh, I really like the Chick Harley ones where it was the, the, uh, the vertical stripes going up and down the, the scarlet and gray vertical stripes and the black helmet. I thought those were pretty cool. I saw those in person, actually. That's when they beat the absolute crap out of Nebraska, I think, by like 60 points or something. And um, they I, they worked really well in person for me. I really enjoyed those a lot. I, I, one other point that I will make about this is that I, I would be more receptive, I think, to a lot of the alternate uniform designs if they just completely left the helmet alone. The helmet yeah. is the most yeah. iconic thing about the entire design. And I agree. it shouldn't be changed. It doesn't need to be changed. It's very distinctive. And, you know, from the helmet stickers to even just the the silver, you know, people give Notre Dame such a reputation for the Golden Domer thing, but the silver bullet, you don't really hear that referred to as much in other fan bases, but that silver by itself helmet is something that is surprisingly kind of distinctive to you know, high level college football. Yeah. There's not really, it's not really replicated. And then it's flourished with very distinctive helmet stickers. That's right. not really something you need to deviate from. When I see them do like the jumbo stickers on the alternates, I, I don't like seeing it. What yeah. really drove it home for me though, was that I was at the Ohio state Michigan game in 2009 when uh, the, the assistant called the accidental touchdown for, was it Brandon Sane? I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. And they were wearing like tribute uniforms to like the 1942 team. Mm -hmm. And they were wearing like, it was like a thin red stripe. It looked like Alabama's helmet where it was, but instead of like, yeah, it was a 54 team and you're right. Yeah. It was like the, the one little red stripe and then it was so unnecessary. I like, I understand wanting to pay tribute, but it, they just, they look terrible with the like modern Nike interpretation and whatever. And that's the problem because the, the, the way the uniforms are cut and the way that they're fit, like it's not the same thing, right? Like you don't have the same kind of like, you can't have the same design sensibility when you have totally different styles of helmets and, and jerseys and things like that. I think what I think is interesting is that for a while, Nike was essentially using like the game as their uh, showcase for a lot of these alternate uniforms, right? Like Ohio state would roll in several years in a row with these alternate uniforms. And I, I, again, I, I have no problem with alternate uniforms whatsoever. I think they're interesting. Even if they're a failure, it's it's fine for a one-off. I don't like to see it in the Michigan game. Um, and I'm glad that Ryan Day is on record as saying the same thing, that he's kind of a traditionalist with that. And I also don't think it's a coincidence that in the past, you know, since Ryan Day has kind of been in charge of Ohio State, yes, they've had alternate uniforms, but also, yes, they've basically just been like monochrome. You know what I mean? They haven't been super crazy or weird or themed. They've just been like all red or all black or all gray. And I'm totally fine with that. I, I think that's a cool way to like keep things fresh, but also not like put in super goofy, wacky crap that I think Nike sometimes pushes. This is going to sound kind of, you know, old man yells at cloud ish which is pathetic because I, I'm not even 30 years old yet, but <laughs> I uh, I think part of it is kind of appeasement to recruits. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, you see, like, you know, everybody wants to do the photo shoots and everything, and you, you, never, you almost never see them just doing, like, the traditional Ohio State gear. It's almost always what you see, that monochromatic fit, just because right. that's, like, that's an aesthetic that, you know, 
is just it's appreciated among younger generations i think more and if that's the know. case man then i say you know go for it like if, if like if wearing a goofy uniform against michigan state or purdue or somebody gets like another five star for ohio state i don't wear it wear it every single game i don't give a crap like it's not it's not to me it's not one of those things where i like am happy about the craziest stuff that they've put out there but i also have to acknowledge that you know the kids love it and it's, it's, it's either that or Ryan Day has to start doing those phone booth dances that Brian Kelly's so good at. <laughs> that's right. Do a 360 video and just like go around them while he's affecting a, a southern accent. Yeah, that's 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 great. That's definitely what I want to see. Um, so I think those will be good. It, it's interesting to me that, that they keep uh, bouncing it around. Another thing I wrote about is that I, I wish they would just like put it at one game per year. I think Halloween, like whatever game falls around Halloween, that would be cool to do it for. Um, but, you know, otherwise I've got no problems with it. And I think the gray ones that they've come out with are, are pretty sick. So that's cool. Um, another thing I want to talk about real quick, this is, you know, maybe uh, adjacent to some of the college football game stuff that we've been talking about with EA, but as is one of the largest uh, topics of conversation for the NFL on their offseason, the Madden rankings for NFL 24 have just come out. Uh, Nick Bosa is the highest rated Ohio State player at 98. He's got a 98 rating, which Nick Bosa, I mean, generally considered to be one of the best, you know, defensive ends in the NFL. 98 seems super high, but, you know, I, I feel like he's kind of earned it over the past couple of years. Um, interesting. Some interesting numbers for me were Cam Hayward at 93, who, again, he's coming off a career season. I mean, he's done, you know, some really great things in the past two or three years, despite the fact that he's been in the NFL for so long. Uh, He's at 93. Terry McLaurin at 92, which is awesome. If you had told me that, like, like five years ago or six years ago, that Terry McLaurin would have been, like, a highly rated Madden wide receiver – uh, in 2023 and, and, you know, the highest rated wide receiver for an Ohio State player, I would have laughed at you. Uh, but that dude is kicking complete butt in the NFL. I love that. Um, some other items to note that maybe people will be, does award only an 88? Um, Chris Olave, Mike Thomas, and Garrett Wilson all are at 84, which is kind of interesting. Um, Whoa, and then if you, Mike Thomas is not even an 85? Nope. Whoa, the times have changed. I know. They and they the 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 lack of faith is is interesting. Oh oh, man. I thought you would react to that one. One that another one that I thought was weird, uh Sam Hubbard at 78. I feel like he's better than that. Um that's that's rough. I feel like that's low. JK Dobbins, this again, maybe another result of injuries. He's at 78. He and just got hurt again. The, I don't know if you heard he's, right. on, he's the, on the physically unable to perform list. Yeah. Right. So, and then you've got a guy in uh, a newcomer, obviously, and, and they're not going to rate a guy who, you know, just entered the league super high, but CJ Stroud at a 73 with the Texans. Um, I think he'll probably in the 2025 uh, edition uh, be rated much higher, significantly. They're, higher. I mean, they're usually pretty like cautious with rookies yeah, at they're first, and then they usually Absolutely. scale them up as the season goes on. Right. What right. was Jamison Williams? Did he, did they say what his was? Jam. Let's see where he's at. Um, Relative to Olave and Garrett Wilson. I'll be curious what he is. 
He's he's below he's below the other dudes. Okay, I was gonna say if he's still the same rating as like Olave and Garrett Wilson, that is. Uh, Oh, you know, no, the, no, that, the well, Bama I, media machine is in full effect, even over at uh, Tiburon or EA, whoever's pulling the strings at EA these days. Jamo's at a um, 79, so All which right. I feel is appropriate. Somebody's 90, holding him uh, honest over there. Though. Not bad. I mean, he, he, I think he deserves that. He's a blazer. Tyreek Hill, 98. Uh, this is just a random dude, but his, his speed is, of course, 99, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at the if you look at the overall rankings for wide receivers, I mean, pretty pretty not bad for these guys. But Ooh, I don't what's know. I Zeke? Like... Cause Zeke is a free agent. I think does he, right. does he even say what he is? No, because that's that's their whole thing is that they uh, with the free agents they. Um, they don't rate any players. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yes. So what is going same thing on? with Apple and Vanette? Um, they are they are officially zero. So. I I think I when are we when are we gonna hold on? I know we wanted to talk about Madden ratings, but we kind of just did that. There's there's <laughs> there's a we need to address something very serious as Ohio uh-huh. State fans that's happening right now that nobody wants to talk about. All right. Ezekiel Elliott is a free agent. Yeah. What what the hell happened? I think he what happened was is that the average life, the average career for an NF for an NFL running back is three years. And Zeke has been out of the NFL for like eight. Or excuse me, out of college for eight. So I, I just, that's it. Like I just I mean, I think he'll get picked up somewhere, but I also think that he's he's basically he's at he's towards the end of his career. He was the starting running back for the Dallas Cowboys last season. Yeah, and the, you know How was he not playing for How is he not playing? How is he not on a team? In in 2020, excuse me, in 2022, Zeke averaged 3.8 yards per carry. Okay, yeah. You give them the ball three times, that's a first down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can say that a lot about What's a lot wrong of with that? <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. But you can say that about a lot of running backs who aren't like, you know, close to thirty. You know what I he mean? He scored so, like, like twelve touchdowns last year. He's one of the best goal line backs in the NFL. Okay. Okay. What's I, going what could come on? This is my point though. This yeah. guy should be on a team. I do, in a I, role. I do think he should be on a team. I so why that. is he not? What is going on here? I think part of it is age. I think part of it is he's a pain in the butt for a lot of teams. And they is he really play. that much a pain of, in the butt? He's not as much as other players, I don't think. But I, I also think that they just, you know, there are a lot of other options. The NFL is not hurting for running backs. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like there aren't other guys who can get you 3.8 yards per carry. And especially Zeke with his resume is going to command and demand a lot more money than some other guy that you'll get, you know, off of waivers or something. Like How that. many so goal line backs give you Jersey sales? <laughs> I don't, I don't know too many people are standing for, for Zeke at this point, but you know, if he I goes mean, he to had, the right, if Zeke, if Zeke is a, is a Bengals goal line back, you don't think that Jersey's <laughs> going to sell in Cincinnati. Maybe not. I don't know. They, they you might, don't think uh, the Browns fans are going to lap that slop up? They, Browns fans might. They might take it. Might? Yeah, they might do that. 
Oh, but, come but honestly, on, dude, like I just I, I think it is the fact those that pe- the, those, those Browns fans will buy an Arch Schleser jersey if he joins sure. the team. Like, come on. But let's see. One, two, three. He's seven seasons in the NFL. This will be his eighth season. Um, you know, he he hasn't averaged more than four point two yards per carry since twenty nineteen. Uh, you know, he you're right. He'll get he'll get you in the touchdown if you're close. Or yeah, get you in the end zone if you're close. But um I don't know, man. I just, like I said, the NFL is not hurting for running back talent and, and he's just, he's, he's expensive. And I just don't think he's gonna, I don't think he's going to be a featured uh, running back anytime soon. Well, I, this I think is a symptom of a, a bigger problem with, and I don't know if you want to call it a problem as much as it is just identifying where the trajectory of the sport is, but sure. you have traditionally, the running back role has been held as that is the most athletic player in the offense and you give them the most touches out of anyone in the offense because they are the most athletic player on the team. If the most, if the role that requires you to be the most athletic player on the team is not compensated appropriately for longer than three years, how many people that can actually satisfy the requirements of that role are going to actually want to play running back going forward. Like, I don't know what the future of this position is. If guys like Zeke that were top five big name guys that he's people love to hate on him. It's not like the guy is bad. He's not the world. It's not the world crusher. He was when he came into the league, but the guy should be on a team at this point. Maybe there's salary problems that are in the way, but the right. fact that guys like that can't even get the money that they deserve off of you know what they've proven they're capable of year in year out from a production standpoint, you 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 just worry about the future of that position for who growing oh. up is like going to say I want to grow up to be a running back. You don't want to do that. You're not going no, to no, want to no, be no, someone I'm that voluntarily gets into car that. accidents. Like no, no, that. because I absolutely agree with that. Because the truth of the matter is, is that unless you're basically Nick Chubb, Chris McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, maybe Saquon Barkley, a couple other guys, you're interchangeable. Like they don't, you are not going to be given, you know, a huge amount of leeway or the big bucks because they really do feel that like, all right, we get a guy who gets his four yards per carry. We don't really have to get a first round draft pick or a second round draft pick. We can find a dude who can do that within our offense. And then, all right, after two or three seasons, they start to fall off. We get another guy. Um, yeah. I'm one of with you on that. I mean, well, it's I, not- got, I, I mean, I'm going even back further than that, not even just from a man, a personnel management standpoint, but I mean, like if you're a player on the come up like McCaffrey in middle or high school and you're, you have running back and receiver ability and potential, and you have a choice to make in terms of what direction you want to go as a positional player, because you don't, you know, you're not you're not going to be Christian McCaffrey. You're not going to be someone who's good at literally every offensive right. skill position. You got to focus on one track and hope that that gets you to the promised land. Are you going to want to go with the position that doesn't get rewarded for the long career and the the payday in the NFL? Or you know, the I mean, receivers have the rep of being divas, but they at least get paid 
and they appear to be having better shelf life at this point than even the running backs do. So yeah, running, back, running back position is, I mean, you could even say it's like an endangered position when it comes to like, you know, the, the life, you know, of an actual, like the, the actual like career, you know, the, the lifetime that you have in the NFL. I mean, it's, it's very short and it's, it's a hard way to make a living. Um, so I'm with you on that. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for even, you know, like Ohio state and how Ohio state decides to you know direct this kind of stuff. JK Dobbins. I mean, JK Dobbins, the only 2000 yard rusher in Ohio state history. And I, I feel like part of the reason why he isn't held up in the pantheon of Ohio state running back sometimes is because we've kind of shifted how we talk about the position. It's because um, he uh, dropped a walk in touchdown on a screen pass. And, <laughs> Nobody true. talks about that because of the, uh, the bad reviews and everything. And I, I, I stand by those two. I didn't like them anymore else, but I, we, we we sh- we show yeah. Dobbins a lot of he did get a very nice touchdown in that game but he uh, man I know that screen pass haunts him as much as it does a lot of other Ohio State right. fans. Uh, speaking of former Ohio State players, CJ Stroud is getting a fully guaranteed four year thirty six point three million dollar deal with the Houston Texans. And I gotta tell you something. First of all. All the stupid, you know, NFL draft drama that we talked about, it all ended up working out how people expected it to anyway. C.J. Stroud obviously goes second, where he should have gone, and in the top two, at least. Like, you you could have been a number one pick, but they make the right choice. And, oh, surprise, surprise, he's absolutely tearing it up in Texans camp, and everybody on the team loves him and raves about his ability to understand the offense and to make every throw and blah, blah, blah. Like, a, yes, he obviously deserves this amount of money. But B, and more irritatingly, people are just going to act like this whole drama in you know March and April never happened, where they were questioning his intelligence, his like desire to play football, his coachability. And in the ensuing months, all of that's been proven completely false. All of that narrative, all that BS, whether or not he's like all world in the NFL is, is irrelevant. The guy has gone out and, and just – done everything he needs to do as a teammate and they've rewarded him with a pretty hefty contract guaranteed contract uh they obviously have a lot of faith in the dude and um you know from all the comments that you're getting out of texans camp i think his teammates do too which not no one's surprised by this like i'm not surprised so not bad for a 73 overall uh in madden apparently that's right that's right um no i i the first i don't know if you remember but when I filled in for Andy the first time earlier this year, it was right after uh, the combine, I believe, mm-hmm. or at least pro day. Yeah, and I was I was very aloof in saying, "Oh, it's we've seen now very transparently Stroud deserves to go number one, and I don't think there's any question." And then by the time I was preparing to take over for host of the Dubcast, we had had an entire narrative form into place that. Stroud was a bad test taker and didn't deserve to be right. the number one overall pick right. because of it. I mean, we were seeing, you know, I made, I made the joke that we saw, uh, you know, fans of the Panthers were stealing 11 Warriors graphics and, and making them into their own, uh, you know, shows of appreciation towards wanting to draft Stroud oh, right, in yeah, the yeah. lead up to the draft. So we knew they were very enthusiastic about him. And then all of a sudden, the national conversation around it just kind of shifted. 
and then the draft happened, and then the conversation goes away, and then it turns out both teams got really, you know, two great quarterbacks. Right. So you just have to wonder, well, that's curious. So if both teams needed the quarterbacks, but the conversation coming out of the combine was that Stroud was the guy with the better momentum that deserved to go number one, that was, you know, just seemed he was the better perceived to be the better prospect at that point. And then we start hearing a bunch of rumors that never end up getting verified and the conversation shifts. And right. you, I, I think that you have to, I mean, we're, listen, we're, we're just a couple of guys with microphones talking about the behavior that we're observing, but, and we both love a conspiracy theory on this show, <laughs> but it's just, it's curious that those same calls for, you know, Oh, Stroud isn't going to be good at this or whatever are gone now. And right. who it benefits to see Stroud in Ohio state not get a number one overall pick versus Alabama and the media companies that are aligned with the conference that Alabama plays in. I'm just calling it like I see it, Johnny. Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is both of these teams got really good players, as you noted. And I do think that the the narrative and everything that people talk about is just complete crap and BS. And it's it just, it's for clicks, it's for views, it's so that people have something to talk about. Especially, more irritatingly to me, when a lot of it's already decided, when people already know who's going to be number one or number two, right? And that's really all that we're talking about. And so that's what, to me, seems so manufactured, where it's like, you, you know what the abilities of these players are. They are known quantities. This isn't a situation where somebody was injured and they had to sit out a year or something like that. It's where they're coming into the league after tons of evidence to suggest how good they are, right? We have tons of film. We've seen them in almost every possible situation against amazing competition. And so you know that these NFL teams have mostly made up their minds about what they're going to do. And still, we have to sit through months of pundits just pulling stuff out of their butt and saying, oh, I've heard this, and then this the rumors about this test, and blah, blah, blah. And, they and it's just, it's crap. Because at the end of the day, it ultimately circles back around to what you knew in the first place in January. And that's what's frustrating about it to me, is that this whole horse race crap is just completely manufactured. And there isn't, it isn't the result of any analysis or somebody seeing something that nobody else saw or any of this other crap. It's just, it's, it's ether. It's just made up. And so I'm glad CJ Stroud has his millions. I'm glad it's guaranteed. I'm glad he's tearing it up in camp with the Texans. It, will he make the Pro Bowl? I don't know. I don't know how his career is going to play out. Um, I just know that he's gotten what he's deserved and that everybody knows what he should have deserved all the way back in January. So I'm, I I'm glad cool. Brady Quinn's attempt at character assassination didn't cost CJ Stroud millions of dollars. Right. Right. And I don't, you know, and ultimately I don't think it would have. It's just, I don't know why. It just bothers me that I even have to give it the time of day, I guess is ultimately what I'm saying. So good for him. Uh, I think his Madden rating will go up considerably in uh, in the next I season so. or so. <laughs> it should. Um, okay, so we're going to get to ask us anything in a second. I'm sorry I left you high and dry last week. I forgot to give you the questions that we had. 
I had um, fun trying to pry some some beat mysteries out of Mister Dan. We tried. From, uh, well, oh, we didn't need any beef. I wanted a funny story, and you know he's that guy's airtight. He's Fort Knox, so it is what it is. Yeah, Dan. Uh, so before we get to ask us anything, we do want to remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store, elevenwarriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Check it out, Eleven Warriors uh, Dry Goods Store, drygoods.elevenwarriors.com. Let's go ahead and get into the aforementioned ask us anything, and I do have to sort through like the 50 um, spam emails that I got, which I don't know about you, uh, but I get like at least 10, a day, like not 10, but like five a day. And it's. Oh, we talked about this on an episode before. Yeah. The, I don't understand. Right. So they, they, they were contacting me about like a freelance writing assignment for like home, like home roof repair <laughs> or something. I was like, I mean, that's, I, that's you can't pay me $250 for this. I don't know what I'm doing. You can do home roof. You don't think you can do home roof repair? Well, no, we, this is what I meant. We talked about it because I was like, actually, I do have experience writing about that's this right. from work. But oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm not, but you're like, they're trying to fish information out of you. Oh, I'm, I'm sure like, okay, I won't respond then. Yeah, it's, it's, they're just going to know about your, your past. That's probably what they probably had that piece of information and they were just trying to like figure out, you know, the name of the. No, first they just saw that I do good work. That's all. <laughs> That's right. However, however, I, I would be very curious to hear what our uh, our loyal listeners have to ask us after a full week off. That's right. The first question is from uh, Kevin, who wants to know. And by the way, this is maybe a larger conversation we'll have to get to at the beginning of the season. But do you think that Caleb Williams will win the Heisman Trophy this season? No. But it because so uh, that would be obviously I mean for those of you who don't remember right Caleb Williams won the Heisman Trophy in 2022 right this would make him the first repeat winner since of course our very own uh, and, and and dearly beloved Archie Griffin it's it and it's so hard to do it I mean we see a lot of we're just see how many. We don't actually see guys that aren't really in a position to come back that win it as often now. It's right. usually a lot of the younger players. And so there's, I mean, it, Ohio State fans do have to accept that eventually there's going to be another multiple time winner. But mm-hmm. what we have seen reinforced, even as college football has progressed into this stage where sometimes you see a lot of like the best talent in the sport shining at a very, very young stage early on to the point where they're eligible to be a Heisman candidate, even when they're just, you know, at red shirt freshman status or what have you. Right. Like they it's, it's so hard and so competitive for that award that is so subjective. It's not, it, it, like it, it really is just kind of like a narrative that everyone just kind of sees fall into a place and agrees with in terms of like who's the most spectacular player in the sport, not necessarily well, he, the most statistically impressive. So yeah, I think I, Williams I, is going to encounter turbulence that people don't necessarily see yet. What I think is interesting about Williams is that I feel like he basically had it wrapped up um, until – you know, the very end when there was a little bit of drama and then right. like there was a lot of upsets and then you never. I'm, so to your point, I guess what I'm saying is, is that 
yeah, he won it last season. Also, if the Utah game happens, I mean, obviously it's, you know, the championship or whatever, but if, if he has a game like that, he has the Utah game, which he still played, I think, pretty well in. Um, and he still threw for, you know, over 350 yards and, and, you know, I think did fairly well. He had the interception. But, um, you know, if he loses that game or has some kind of like, you know, shaky game or something like that a couple weeks earlier, maybe that changes the narrative of the Heisman. My point is, what I find interesting is that I agree with you. I, I think that the way things set up, I mean, people are looking for a narrative. And if you have a bad game or a bad loss or something like that, it can completely blow it up if it happens at the wrong time. USC, I think, will have a pretty solid team. I mean, obviously, bringing back Caleb Williams is a big deal. But their schedule is not difficult. Um, they do have to go to Notre Dame in October and whatever. But, I, you know, Notre Dame also an interesting team that they're gonna have to play pac 12 is not not a murderer's row okay um they do have utah in october as well and they play them right after notre dame i if let me say it this way caleb williams gets out of october unscathed he has a pretty pretty easy path through november to at least be in the conversation i do think at some point somebody's going to win two heismans i don't know if it's this season but I would not count the dude out. And, um, you know, with the way his, you know, obviously the team set up with Lincoln Riley, uh, he's going to have his opportunities to make sure that he's in the conversation every single week. So, again, do I think he's going to win the Heisman? I don't know. I mean, who knows at this point? Um, but if you're a quarterback at USC and you're in the conversation for a national championship, pretty, pretty good shot that you'll, you'll, you know, you go out there and, and play pretty well. You're going to be, uh, going to New York uh, at the end of the season. So well, I, I already um, see two. There's there's three things I think already that I I think run counter to this. The first is Max Duggan. If TCU wins the Big Twelve championship last year, Max Duggan wins the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, the game that he had in the in the conference championship game was insane. Like yeah. he had the momentum if they won that game that he had like willed them into the playoff, which he ended up doing anyway. But at that point it was still, you know, hairy in terms of, are they going to get in? Are they going to be ahead of Ohio state? You know, it was still kind of foggy because they were arguing with Alabama fans and everything. The narrative Mm -hmm. was still in dispute. If Duggan won that game and indisputably drove them into the playoff, and Williams had just fumbled away USC's chance to do the same, there's no way that you can give Caleb Williams the Heisman Trophy over Max Duggan. So Duggan wins the Heisman Trophy in that scenario, and then you're not looking at a position where a player can repeat. So Williams already needed, in a certain sense, based on the way that he played, a fortunate performance in order to get the result, even though it, we were thinking because of the runway of success down the stretch for USC, it was kind of a foregone conclusion he was going to win. You really just kind of le- need to let these things unfold as the season goes down the stretch. I to that point, that. Yeah. if USC if does have a weak slate other than UCLA at the end of the Pac-12 title game in November – then there's a space for a player that has a more impressive home stretch, such as, you know, maybe a 
a team that plays in like the SEC West or something that typically has more of a, a backloaded schedule, save, you know, the the hosting of the Citadel or whatnot annually in mid-November. But outside of that, you know, if there's a better runway, they've got a better chance to show success late in the season than what Caleb Williams would have. Finally, I think the script for Marvin Harrison Jr. to win the Heisman Trophy is going to be much more compelling than what Caleb Williams will have next year. So I expect it to come down to those two. I'm holding out for Marv, though. And that's the that's the conversation that I want to have maybe closer to the season because I am curious. I mean, we just saw it obviously, you know, recently where you had you know wide receiver going out and win the Heisman. But I I I want to be I want to see if someone's domination and excellence is enough for them to get a Heisman Trophy, or do they absolutely have to be the national championship conversation? I think Ohio State is still going to be very good this season. I'm curious if they lose a couple or something like that, and Marvin Harrison's still you know, putting up 1,500 yards or something insane, does he still stay in the conversation even if they're not national championship contenders? And I think he should. I mean, in terms of talent and skill and you know everything like that, he should absolutely be considered for the Heisman. But I'm, I'm curious to see if, because of the position that he plays, that – you know, excellence is enough. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um, also, speaking of which, this is another question from Kevin. He says, are you more concerned with the quarterback situation or the offensive line? And he says, I think the line, it all starts with the big uglies. Best from Kevin, PhD. Um, that's actually a really good question. I, I think they kind of go hand in hand, honestly. I think part of it is... Um, you know, if you've got a new quarterback, if you've got, you know, either Devin Brown or Kyle McCord or whoever, and you've got them behind a mediocre offensive line, I don't know that either of them are, I don't know that any quarterback really, but I don't know that either of these guys are good enough to like completely make up for that, especially with how they play and, and kind of um, what they're trying to do. So if we're talking about whether we're more concerned with the quarterback situation, the offensive line, if you've got an awesome offensive line, I think that makes up for a lot of deficiencies at quarterback, particularly if you've got guys like, you know, Harrison and Buka and all these other dudes who can catch, um, you know, whoever's throwing them football. So for me, I agree with you, man. I, th- I think the offensive line is um, probably more important, at least in terms of development, than the quarterbacks that we have right now. Because I think both will be good. I think I think whoever they end up having out there, Brown or, or McCord, I think they'll be serviceable. But if you don't have the offensive line in front of them, I think that's that's difficult. That's the foundation of any good team. So yes, yeah, I agree. yeah, and that's well. And the thing is, man, like you know, Ohio State. If you're looking at like injuries and death, I mean, that's that's probably an area of concern for some guys. All right, let's switch tracks a little bit. This is from our good friend Alvin. All right, he wants to know, you have to drive 10 hours for a road trip and you're forced to listen to songs from only three artists. Who are your artists? Who are the three artists that you pick? Kanye West is one of them. I, okay, I know it's despite not, his... You'll uh, try to I, ignore... I mean, listen, the discog- it, it, if, I, if, I, if I can only pick three, that's a discography that I trust for, you know, to occupy 10 hours of space. So there isn't, you don't have in the back of his head, like, you don't, you don't imagine him wrapping it with like a, a, you know, a face mask and talking about how he loves Hitler. No, because it all happened before that goofy okay. stuff. Before he uh, like totally <laughs> lost his 
I listen, I'm in the car for 10 hours and I, I just need to dissociate to get to my destination. So while I'm, okay. so I'm in that state, number two, Adolf Hitler reading Mein Kampf, right? Oh my God. <laughs> sorry. All right, sorry. Johnny, who would you pick? Not, not Kanye. I can't like, again, I was a huge Kanye fan, but now it's like, I can't, it's, it's, it's used to, used to awful. I can't deal with it, man. Um, I'm sorry. How, no, give me your other two. I won't tell you Johnny. Johnny. Give me your other two. Give me your other two. I'm sorry. I, I won't be a jerk. Know. Uh, who's I just listening to? R. Kelly. Um, hmm? R. R. Kelly. Yeah, I don't. I don't know enough of the discography. I, I uh, there's R. Kelly song. See, this is my point. There's R. Kelly songs I know that I can appreciate. I don't like R. Kelly the person. I wouldn't pick him for the trip. I don't agree. I I don't co-sign with what twenty twenty. I don't co-sign with what post-pandemic Kanye has has said. I I liked the the Donda project. I but no the the stuff that he did all before that is music I would listen to and if trapped for a car in ten hours yes. <laughs> right. uh, right, so I, I I don't know two uh, two others off the top of my head it's tough. Uh, I'll say Dead Mouse uh, okay. if you like just to give some EDM variety and then I don't know who my other one would be. Uh, I'm, I'll say Red Hot Chili Peppers. So there's okay. three for you. There you go. That's fair. That's pretty eclectic. I like that. Um, I would say, honestly, because if I'm going to listen to some artists, I want some some artists to give me a lot of variety, right? Like, And honestly, like Kanye, you know, insane Nazi stuff aside. Uh, I mean, You, you ain't know, got the right? answers, Johnny. Super varied discography. I'm going to say MF Doom. I'm going to give – I'm going to shout to – I'm a big fan of Doom. Doom's got a crazy – I mean – that guy is the most insane. He was the most insane, like ridiculous rapper of all time. And Matt could Bill you drive the ten out. hours in a doom mask? <laughs> I might. I should actually, honestly. I mean, you'd look uh, very normal passing all the the road rangers. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And well, I would have to put my glasses on top of the mask, just like MF Doom. Um, the hi- the so hitchhikers I- would feel very safe with you. With you, I'm sure they would. Uh, so MF Doom, Matt, between Matt Villainy, M Food, uh, the Mouse and the Mask. I mean, he's got a lot of. I mean, give me a break. It's amazing stuff. So MF Doom's gonna be one of them. Um, I really like. There's a band I really like that I think is really good traveling music. Uh, it's called the Go Team, and they, they have a pretty pretty wide and variety of discography. And a lot of it's instrumental, but a lot of it's like keep you awake while you're driving down the road kind of music. So I'm I'm all about that. So the go team, I think, would definitely be, have to be one of them. And I think I need, like, something that rocks. So in terms of, like, you know, what I kind of came of age with that I really enjoy in terms of rock music is probably the White Stripes. I mean, I really do love the Black Keys, but White Stripes have a better discography overall. So I'm going to have to go with them, I think. So White Stripes, go team, MF Doom, I think I'm set. I think they'll be good. Are are you happy with the Seven Nation Army status at, at games, or do you find it cliche? I think it's worn out. I mean, it's it's overstated. It's welcome. Although I don't, you know what? I feel like they pulled back on that a little bit. Um, I haven't heard it as much recently, which is good. 
because it's i mean it's a quality song it's kind of weird that it ever became like this stadium anthem thing but um yeah i don't know i mean it's like if you listen to the entire song it's it's super weird and then like i don't know there's just a lot of stuff going on there so um the white stripes in general i would pick other songs if i were picking like a thudding like you know anthem to pick from but you know i wish they would play icky thump for the way they play seven nation army i feel like that would that would rile people up more yeah i do like that um but yeah i think white stripes overall would be a, a good one to go with so but there's a lot, you know. There's so many. There's so many artists to choose from. But that's a great question. Thank you for thank you, Alvin. See how I didn't chastise your picks, Johnny. I let you vibe in your <laughs> car for ten picks. hours. That's because they were good picks, George. Sorry. Oh, we could <laughs> we could talk about Mr. Jack White if you want to talk about Kanye West, but I'm gonna let you He's, leave that one alone. You know what, Jack White, best uh, best on screen uh, depiction of Elvis that's ever been done, including All by right. Elvis. If so, you want to leave the accolades hard. there. Um, all right, last question here. This is again from uh, our good friend Alvin. Favorite superhero? Oh, from oh Spider Man. It's not even yeah Spider Man. P, 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 P Toby Maguire. Same answer. Spider Man. If we're going like movies, but even conceptually, Spider Man. Not even close. Yeah, just in general. I was a huge. So when I was a kid, I was a huge Spider Man. It was Spider Man and uh, Deadpool actually had his first ongoing series when I was like eleven. So I was right in that that age group for that kind of humor and stuff. And so I love Deadpool, but Spider-Man is always my, he's my go-to. I've always loved Spider-Man. I will watch every Spider-Man movie that's ever come out. Uh, I don't care how bad it is or try it. I'll watch it. Cause I, I just love Spider-Man. It's always been great. Um, so great questions this week. Thank you for sending those in. We'll continue to answer them as long as somebody has access to the, uh, the questions on, <laughs> on the, uh, on the uh, actual Gmail account. So that's dubcast at 11warriors.com. Let's do some quick things to get us out of here. Uh, first of all, congrats to uh, the NBA Summer League uh, alumni here. Malachi Branham did pretty well. I Look, interesting thing about Malachi, he was kind of all over the place a little bit. Um, he was in four of the five games. He had about 21 points a game, hitting on 40% of his field goals. That's pretty sick. Uh almost 50% of his threes. He had one really bad game, a bunch of really good ones. Weird though, that you got to like share time. And, and I guess they kind of shut him down after a while, but women Yama, like it, it's, that's an interesting situation to kind of follow and to see how he fits into what they're going to be doing on that team. I, I hope that he has a lot of playing time. I hope that, that he gets a lot of um, looks and the ability to kind of show off some of the potential that he did last season. So I'm excited about that. Well, I I think one of the things I was looking forward to with Malachi Branham based on this, you know, kind of he played well, you know, last year as a rookie. Um, but as we saw this kind of flourishing in the summer league, I thought he was going to be in a very good position to, as you see these new big name, you know, first overall pick players come in. A lot of times you see the players that were in there before them that were young thrive alongside them and kind of come up along with them uh, because the attention for the defense is so heavily focused on, you know, the guy with the rep. So in this case, right. Webb and Yama. So I was, right. I was looking forward to seeing Branham kind of grow up this season alongside Victor. It is going to be interesting to see how they bring him up. I'm not going to, 
you know, every coach is distinctive in their approach. I'm not necessarily familiar with how Popovich handled the early development arcs of um, Tim Duncan. I don't know how late going back he was there when, uh, you know, David Robinson was there. Um, But I, I do know that just relative to rookies that you feel may not quite be ready for this level that you still see potential in, one really interesting example that I think a lot of people don't look at as much that they should relative to recent success is Jimmy Butler and how Tom mm-hmm. Thibodeau just said, I'm not playing you at all. Your rookie year. Cause you don't know anything. <laughs> and, and we need to make sure before I throw you out there that you right. don't know what you're doing, that, you know, you can tread water. So if they right. recognize that this guy that they just invested a lot of draft capital in that, you know, Popovich has kind of been Greg Popovich does not coach bad teams and he's had bad teams for a few seasons now. So mm-hmm. he's, he's been holding out for a hero and he thinks Victor's his hero, but if they recognize that this is a guy that they need to bring along and get comfortable relative to coming over here, being in a new country and, you know, elevating his game to the highest level, it's understandable we might see them hold him out for a little bit. I think that's going to be kind of an issue for the development of Malachi Branham because if he's suddenly the primary guy in a situation where he wasn't expecting to have that going into this season and now the defense with a full season of tape on him can really own it and figure out what they need to do to not get him or let him get comfortable and get to his spots – Right. We may not see as much of a flourishing as we would otherwise if Wemben Yama was available. So I, I'm hopeful that the Spurs will be more, you know, frivolous in deploying him than Tom Thibodeau was with Jimmy Butler. But less is certainly more in the NBA. Sometimes is my point in drawing that parallel. Yeah. And I think that's a and that's a fair point. And it's interesting. I mean, Malachi has shot really well in the NBA. And, and that's something that I, I was a little surprised by, that he's been able to find a shot and get to it so consistently. So hopefully that that continues um, and he can kind of develop and flourish and, and continue to be this really solid player that he's kind of, you know, established himself that he can be. So that'll be cool to watch. Um, we'll see, like you said, we'll see how that development takes place in San Antonio. Last thing I want to get out of here on, uh, I feel like Texas, Texas, has now, of course, they're, they're going to the SEC along with Oklahoma, all this, you know, fanfare about these huge brands joining the biggest conference and blah, blah, blah. And I just love the fact that Texas thinks they're going to walk in and be this, like, you know, big man on campus kind of deal. It's like, we're Texas. We have all this history. And nobody in the SEC wants any part of it. They, they have no, like, respect for it. Horns down. Uh, is officially not going to be an automatic flag, which it shouldn't be. Uh, and it's hilarious that Texas fans get as angry about it as they do, which only means that players should, you know, opposing players should do it even more than they're already doing. Uh, Josh Heupel over there at, uh, you know, University of Tennessee said, there's only one real UT, one right shade of orange, of course, referring to his own University of Tennessee. Um also, Hypo, by the way, from uh, from Oklahoma, probably why you're saying that. Um, but I just love the shade that Texas is getting upon the entry to the SEC, and I hope they continue to get the business as they lose half of their games or more every SEC season because they're, they're not that great. They're not that great. 
Yeah, they're they're not going to want to schedule Texas and Tennessee too often, I don't think, because that's just a very, from an aesthetic standpoint, that's just not oh, a sure, yeah. college football game. I and and the more I think about it, those are two schools that, like, in terms of that like orange and white aesthetic, it really just belonged to those two. And you wanted to, if you want to maximize the effectiveness of that. You want to keep them in distinct camps. You don't really want to have them next to each other. So mm-hmm. to have them now in the same conference kind of, I think, cheapens, it cheapens both of their their aesthetics, so to speak, uh, just because you're going to be seeing them so often together, not just from orange and white, but it is literally, you know, both UTs that they're going to be competing. Oh, who's the... Who's the real this this conference is only big enough for it ain't big enough for the two of us. Right. Like, okay, who cares? I'm glad nobody fights Ohio State over the because that 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 would be a ridiculous argument. That Ohio State would win anyway. Well, and Texas gets a little bit they get their little taste of the SEC um here pretty quickly because on September 9th they gotta go to Alabama and they're gonna lose by fifty. <laughs> I don't feel like A and M got hazed that much when they jumped in. Well, and A and M's A and M as a culture and as a fan base is extremely weird and irritating, but I don't really think they have the same kind of like haughtiness that, that comes along with the Longhorns, you know, that same kind of like self Have you seen that video of the woman singing to John? Johnny football. Oh my God. That's so weird. Everything, everything's weird. Everything's weird. They, they have, there's the Halloween video that came out last year with the Aggies. And it's like, it, it's supposed to be this cool thing where everybody's just kind of like doing a cool Halloween thing and they're dressed up. But instead of people having fun, they look like they're in a cult and they're like, they're about to sacrifice a goat or something like that. Like, it's not, there's nothing fun about it. Like, I understand, like, I'm kind of making it sound badass, but it's just kind of depressing and, and like lame. I don't know how you take something like Halloween that's cool and fun and dress up and then put a bunch of people in polo shirts and khakis and like make it the most boring sad thing you've ever seen in your entire life that's the entire thing about the aggies fan base that i don't understand is how they can take something that's consistently cool like fan involvement and fun stuff like where you like you have chance and all this and they just make it the saddest most dire thing you could possibly ever watch it's just sad ohio state is just it's like the mongol horde like we're insane crazy like herding cats you can't get us to do anything it's just a, a bunch of nutcases in one place doing their own thing. Texas A&M is regimented and sad and dumb. And I, I just, I don't get it. I just well, don't you get remember it. the Halloween controversy with Texas last year, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, but that's the thing. Like the, the in, Texas, the Aggies, I don't, I just don't understand Texas football in general is, is what I'm saying. Well, I'm, 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 well, hold on. I'm, I'm referring to the assistant coach with the, uh, the haunted house and the, and the monkey. Yes. Where it gets, the girlfriend has the money that bites the kid. I don't don't understand. That's what I'm saying though, man. Like, I don't get it. It, Everything about this is insane. That was a very baseline reaction from you to that extremely bizarre story. So I was like, is Johnny picking up what I'm putting down with that? Bites a kid? Freaking, you gotta get, 
uh, Hantavirus. <laughs> but I still I think I still is. think A and M is more deranged than Texas, which is like they they you know I feel like there was there's You're always sad. initial resistance to change. So people they were like, oh A and M is it? They're in the SEC. They're not really in the SEC. But then after right. like one or two years, it's like okay, yeah, they're in the SEC. Fine. It's but gonna Texas be the same thing to, with Texas. They and want Oklahoma. to preserve their own unique identity, and that's that's the dumb part about it. And that's why I'm extremely excited for every single other SEC team to the horns down gesture. I'm excited for every other uh, Big Twelve team to do it this year, just out of spite because they're mad at them because there's no love loss there at this point either because the entire conference is basically saying like good riddance. So I don't know, man. Texas deserves what they get. They're, these these guys have gotten extremely big for their britches, especially for a team that you know lost five games last year. Um, I hope everybody just rubs it in their face constantly. I, I just don't think it's going to last. It's gonna, it happened like one season with A and M, and I think it's going to be the same thing with Texas and Oklahoma. They'll get ripped for a season, and then it'll be like, oh, they've been in the SEC the whole time. So that could be the case, and I would be very sad because I think they should get crapped on for as long. Me too. As- yeah, as long as I can possibly stand it. All right, so that's the Dubcast for this week. Uh, thanks again for, of course, listening, writing in with your questions, and, you know, just sitting and enjoying uh, the offseason with us. So we'll be back next week. We'll be breaking down all the craziness that goes on. And until then, I'm Johnny. George.